He lost friends. He lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. Today we have a chance to take it all back. You know your teams, you know your missions. Get the stones, get them back. One round trip each, no mistakes, no do-overs. Most of us are going somewhere we know. That doesn't mean we should know what to expect. Be careful, look out for each other. This is the fight of our lives, and we're gonna win. Whatever it takes. Good luck. He's pretty good, that Right? Alright. Hello everyone, this is Rico, and you're about to hear another episode of Treks and Sci-Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness. Uh, this will be show 767, which is a nice round number, I think, kind of. And uh, it is uh, April the 5th, 2020. Hope everyone out there is doing well. Doing okay under these current circumstances. You gotta listen to uh, Cap Captain America there. It seems really appropriate. You know, there's a clip from uh, the uh, last spring's. Gosh, it was only last spring. Uh, Avengers Endgame movie, uh, giving a, kind of an inspirational speech, uh, and seems kind of appropriate these days for all of us. Uh, many people, uh, everyone, I think, just about has had their lives disrupted some way in the last few months uh in the u.s especially in the last several weeks here but uh yeah i'll talk a little bit about that today it's hard to avoid talking about it um but what i'm gonna do today i i was kind of thinking about this over the last couple of days i i wasn't really in the mood to do a a star trek episode or or a big topic of any kind so i i thought i would just um talk about some things that I've been doing and things that I, uh, you know, kind of like ideas or suggestions for, oh, things to help us get through this and, you know, some, maybe some movies and TV things you haven't tried or books and things, just stuff. Uh, it'll be a pretty, really casual show. We do have a music segment from Vartok, uh, which, uh, he's got some time to do those. If you remember, he has done uh, over the years some solo podcasts for the show, and he's also he, he's done these sort of what he calls uh, Q and A in a way or intro and ac uh, outro. But there's two parts to it. Um, I think it's a total of about 15, 16 minutes. Uh, anyway, uh, that is coming up on today's podcast as well that he sent in, and I appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, but uh, hey, let's play the intro music, and we'll get into the um, this week's Treks and Sci-Fi. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futus of War. Resistance is futile. Yes, the Jedi's trick flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. Oh. 
sketchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. See, it's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reed's Gold, and you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Hello once again. Hello everyone. This is Rico. Yes, uh, back uh, with Trex and Sci-Fi and trying to do um, trying to do a show. It's it's so weird in the last few weeks. You know, you'd think even for those of us like working, I, I I'm fortunate enough to be able to work at home. But there's a lot of people that are saying they have um, extra time on their hands and. I don't know about most people out there. I mean, there are certainly people that are still having to work, and, and thanks so much for, if you're in a job right now that you're having to work, and, and, and you know, please, you know, take care of yourself, be safe, uh, and, and you're, you're, you know, your work is greatly appreciated, especially, you know, people in, in the medical field, obviously, the people manning the grocery stores and things. I'll mostly be, you know, speaking for the United States, this is where I live, so, uh, but I know this is true for uh, a lot of places around the world, Europe and and others. So, you know, thank you very much for those that are going in. But for those of us that are fortunate, we can work at home. It's it's really weird. I don't know about most people, but it, it, it's, it's weird that you would think this is sort of like a way to kind of like, I don't know, have a little more time to think and kind of maybe catch up on some reading and do whatever. But I, I've been really feeling kind of like, blah, you know, like, like, I don't feel like doing a whole lot. <laughs> it's, it, it's weird. Not, not really being as busy and active actually makes you, and I guess it's not weird, uh, makes you feel less motivated. I don't know. When you have more limited time, when you're running to work every day or getting kids to school, I, I think you cherish kind of like the little bit of time you might have each day or on the weekends that you have. But it's, it's um, you know, I've been trying to do a little bit of things around here, organizing some stuff around the house and, you know, whatever. But um, it's just, I, I, I just feel, it's just strange, isn't it? It's, it's really strange. This has never been something that anyone probably listening has ever experienced. And, you know, we certainly hasn't had anything like this in the world in a long, long time. Uh, and and it's it's hard to no one's really quite prepared. Uh, like Gandalf, <laughs> you know, you are not prepared. Isn't it Gandalf that said that? I don't know, man. It, the um, but uh, it, it just gives you some weird perspective. But I I think the one for me at least and I think this is sort of what people are saying is one of the things you got to try to do is try to maintain as best you can kind of your daily routine you know even if it's just pulling up your laptop at home and working from home that kind of way I mean just think if we were just think if this was going on um I, I you know I, I I've lived through the era of when we had no computers and internet and all that and you know uh, even when I first started working, I mean, we had computers, but it wasn't like it is now, of course. So if this had happened like, you know, 30 years ago or something or more, you know, there'd be a lot of people that th this idea of working from home is, is, is a fairly recent thing. We wouldn't really be able to be doing that. Just think of, uh, how bad it would be then, because I, I think even more people, you know, I feel poor, poor, feel badly for those that are being, you know, their jobs are being um, lost or affected by this. But 
you know, this fairly fairly big chunk of of the world now that that a lot of their job is on a computer, and, and most of us have computers at home, and and we can do a lot of what we do for our jobs that way. But if this had happened, you know, 30, 40 years ago, this would be a you know for the economy. You know, it's already kind of messing up the economy a bit. But it would have been a lot worse. And I'm not going to talk about this the whole show. I mean, in, in, in a roundabout way, I will, because I, like I said, I wanted to mention some stuff that I've been doing or maybe some suggestions, stuff that you guys have probably already heard from other people. But, um, you know, please, uh, one, one big thing I think that everyone should be doing, well, obviously, if you can stay inside and stay away from people as much as you can, you know, we're all hearing that, right? Do that. I, I, I mean... We've been doing this curbside grocery pickup for the last several weeks now. You got to plan for it. Uh, I mean, w- w- you know, our pickup times here in Michigan, where we're we're getting pretty hit with cases. Um, the Detroit area. I, I live pretty far away from the city, so I'm in pretty good shape out 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 in the uh, like I like to call it out in the woods where I live, way away from the big city. But the um, but if you can, you know, arrange a way to pick up groceries, do that. I mean, it does take some planning. We're scheduling these pickups like more than a week in advance. So you almost have to just sort of have a regular list of things that you buy. And most people do that. You know, you have these same things you buy each week, right? Um, yeah, this is a real Trex and Sci-Fi episode. Um, but, uh, you know, try to stay positive. But anyway, if you can get into that routine of ordering and picking up like that, where you don't actually have to physically go into the store. Because I was talking to Lynn, I was talking to my wife about this, as we do every day, many times. It's like the only thing we talk about now. And and just about the family and everyone's trying to stay put and stay safe. And everybody that I know is is in good shape there, fortunately. So, um, but um since this has been going on for a few weeks here in the U.S., quite, quite a while, um, get yourself into that. If you're living in an area that you can, you do have that possibility. I know it can take some planning and scheduling, and it's very hard to do in some ways. We've had to go at weird days and times, but I, I just going into the store right now is about the last place. And I know you can be careful. People are wearing masks, wear gloves, wash your hands, avoid you know, being near people. But to me, uh, I'm a science guy. So every, every variable that you can take out of an equation, you know, every variable that you can take where you're have a potential and even going for a curbside pickup, you know, they put the groceries in your trunk and it's, it's pretty, you know, you're not even near anyone. And, and, uh, and then, you know, washing your hands after you put the groceries away and wiping them down. But, um, it's super unlikely you would get anything that way. But in in the store, even avoiding people, I, I, I just think that you've added a little bit more potential there. And if you can get onto one of these pickup things, Lynn's been saying, you know, it's been mostly working out. I mean, we've been mostly getting the stuff that we've ordered for the most part. It seems like it's each week it gets a little bit easier, gets a little bit better. Um, but please do that because I, I was thinking about this and, you know, there's all these weird models and projections now, but the... Um, I don't understand how they could be modeling and saying, I mean, if, if most states have gone into this sort of semi-lockdown mode, and yes, there are people that are still having to go out and work, uh, but that's a, a fairly small percentage compared to the normal um, amount of people out there. I, I'm trying to figure out the, you know, what is the science term or the medical term, the vectors. Uh, how else can you get, can you come in contact and can you get it right now? 
there isn't much. So, so how is it that we're still going to be, you know, I heard one thing about, oh, we're still like, a, a, you know, six weeks away from peak in Michigan, you know, they were saying. Six weeks from now, where most of us have been, you know, most people have been on kind of a semi-lockdown for at least two or more weeks. I've been, I've been doing it now for three weeks. So I, I don't understand how that can, we can get, the cases can still be going up as much as they think or as much as they're projecting. I mean, isn't this supposed to be stopping that spread? It's got to be limiting it some. So I don't know how they can, I don't know how this is working. I mean, I just, it makes me think there's a lot more people going out and doing things and having contact, you know, driving over to a friend's house. Don't do that. You know, driving over to a family member's house. Don't do that. We haven't, um, I haven't seen, you know, except over the internet and FaceTime, I haven't seen my sons in, in weeks or my grandson or anything like that in person. I mean, even though they've been isolated, even though we've been isolated, and you would think that you we could just drive to the other person. So like my um, oldest son with my grandson, they live about 15 minutes from us, but we still just haven't done that because we don't know, even with the very, very tiny limited contact that we're doing, we don't, we don't know what we've come in contact with. And obviously, two of us, Lynn and I, just in this house, you know, if one of us were to somehow get it, at least then we would be limiting it to the only the other person in the house, right? And I've had plenty of colds. Lynn's pretty, and I've actually been fairly healthy the last several years, but there are many times, and everyone knows this, where you're in a house, you know, your family or whatever, and maybe you get a cold or the flu, and some other people in the family will get it, and some won't. You And the same thing here. Um, although they're saying in some ways this is more communicable and you'll, you're more likely to get it than others, uh, you know, based on that no one's built up an immunity. But I think people have natural immunities to these things. I mean, there's there's plenty of cases out there where people have come in contact or live with someone that's gotten it and they don't get it. So it, it, it isn't like if you come in contact with it that you're absolutely going to get it. But I, anyway, the point is limit it as much as you possibly can. Uh, you shouldn't be having little get-togethers and parties. I mean, I'm still hearing people doing that. I, I don't understand. I, I there's there's just you know we have ways to communicate with people. You got Zoom and FaceTime and Skype and and phones, good old phones. You know, reach out to people and talk to them. But the more you take those variables out, the more you limit it, the better things will be. So, um, all right, off my soapbox. <laughs> Oh, I didn't necessarily mean to get into that. I guess it's just because it's all I've been talking about and thinking about. It's it's definitely disrupting my brain, definitely disrupting my sleep. Um, I, it's And it's weird about being at work. You know, I have a job that while I can do a lot of it remotely on a computer, a lot of it involves um, physical things I need to see paint samples and colors and, and spray panels sometimes and and deal with packages of, of, of um, test materials and, and all that part of the job, which is a good part of the job, I can't really do right now. And, and I'm usually much more um, up and about and, and traveling, you know, locally in the local area each day of the week. And uh, even though, you know, try to get out and do a walk or two each day and, and do things around the house and not just sit at the computer for the whole day or the TV or whatever, it um, it's definitely a big change in in lifestyle. It's made me kind of think that this is why people say when they retire, you're you know you really changed your whole way of life, uh, and you 
you kind of feel like you need to kind of have some new thing that you do or an activity and and just uh, a plan of uh, I want to do more like volunteer when I eventually retire I, I want to do like you know volunteer maybe at an animal shelter although if I do that I'll probably bring home a dog and a cat every day or every week <laughs> if I do that uh, or or just do something out there you know in the world um, I've always you know I, I read a lot of comics and I've always had this in the back of my head that I always wanted to open a comic book shop which comic book shops are really having a hard time right now. And I know people think, oh, it's just comics. But it's a big industry, and and, and it affects a lot of people. And and I know, yes, it's entertainment, but the these individual comic shops that are out there, and they've had a hard time over the last many years as it is. There aren't nearly as many comic shops as there, there used to be. You know, some of that is digital. You can read comics digitally now as part of the, part of the thing. But I think in general, there's a lot more competition for entertainment. Uh, kids, you know, my oldest son I've mentioned, he, re- he reads a lot of comics too. Uh, but, you know, there's the internet, there's, there's all the streaming stuff, there's movies, TV. Um, back when I first started reading comics, you know, you had a few limited TV channels, movies that would come out, and, and, and books, of course, but, but there wasn't nearly as much... Um, competition for your your leisure hours right so anyway but the comic shops you know they they've kind of shut down not only because of the shutdown orders but there aren't any new comics being published right now diamond comics the distributor of of comics that that basically get the comics from like marvel and dc they they basically said we're not taking any new comics from the publishers and they're the ones that distribute it to the comic shops so even if even if the shops had been shut down and closed to quarantine everyone and try to keep people at home, if new comics had still been being published, they would have, like I have a pull list, you know, I would have been getting a, my little folder at the comic shop would have been filling up for these few weeks of new comics, and I would have been happy to pick them up when this is over and, and pay for them and all that. I actually paid for the last weeks of comics that came out a couple of weeks ago that are sitting there at the shop waiting for me still. But um, but without new product for them to offer and to sell, they have z- like Zippo zero income coming in. And I know a lot of places are affected in the same way, but this is something that's near and dear to me, at least, and, and sort of fan-related and, and um, the, the comic shops with no new product coming in, even if you couldn't actually get the comics in your hands – they don't even have anything they can offer online to sell except for like back issues or or back catalog or old stuff. Uh, and most of their bread and butter sales, truthfully, are the new comics that come out every Wednesday. That's how they maintain their employees. That's how they maintain their storefronts. So without that, if this goes on, I mean, who knows right now how long it will happen. I mean, best case, maybe a month or two. Uh, it's It's been now... Let's see, we've had uh, one, two, two whole weeks of no, you know, the 1st of April and the 8th of April. No, that's okay. We've only had one. This week will be the second week of no new, real, no real new comics. Um, but if it goes on for six, say, five, six, seven weeks of, of no sales, that's cer- certainly going to hurt these places badly. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping that whoever their landlords are, they'll work with them a little bit and try to, uh, you know, but, uh, I mean, if, 
you know, you, you think about it in your own terms, and if you could, you'd have to basically get by, maybe you know, think about it like a couple of months of no pay, possibly things. And I know that's happening to a lot of places and people. All right, I've um, I've gone on more than I wanted to about this. I hope it's been it's it's we're all dealing with this and and everybody's in different situations and circumstances and and I don't mean at all to say that that um you know this is there there are certainly you know I, I you know hopefully the the people I mean one of the good things I, I don't know if it's good or not but most people if they are getting this this terrible virus thing there most people are recovering unfortunately some people are dying um, but we need to stop the the spread of it is the, is the biggie, right? All right, so do what you can there. Uh, I'll get off that. Uh, what I'll do now, I'm going to slip in uh, Vartok's um, uh, first uh, segment on, on mu- this music th- that he sent to me. Uh, I think it's on Leonard Roseman. Is that how you say the guy's name? Let me see. I have it here somewhere. <laughs> I'm going to my email. da 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 yeah, Leonard Leonard Roseman, um, who worked on uh, Star Trek IV of the Voyage Home. So uh, he also did uh, the music uh, for uh, the Lord of the Rings animated movie. If you guys are familiar with that, uh, which before the way before the the live action Lord of the Rings, the only thing we had um, from from years gone by was the Lord of the Rings, and it only covered like um, it only covered part of the books. Like the, basically the first book, a little into the second book, if I remember right. So anyway, here is a Vartok with uh, a little bit on composer Leonard Roseman. This will be the first part of his segment. I'll play the second later. After this, when when I come back, I'm going to talk about um, some things that I've been doing, uh, things that uh, I might uh, suggest to you, things to try out uh, or to do while you're um, you're at home. Uh, I'll be back, uh, and here is Vartok. Uh, with uh, Leonard Roseman and the music of Star Trek The Voyage Home. This is Bartok again with another Music in Sci-Fi segment. Did you recognize the track that was just played? Now, you'd probably have to be one serious fanboy or fangirl of sci-fi music to recognize that track as being the track titled Hospital Chase from the film Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Okay, Bartok, but why that track? Well, of the six original series Star Trek movies, Jerry Goldsmith composed the score for two of the films, 
Star Trek The Motion Picture, and Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And James Horner provided the scores for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Okay, that leaves just two other films. Well, composer Cliff Eidelman composed the music for the last film, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So that, my friends, leaves Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, which was composed by Leonard Rosenman, an American film, television, and concert composer. Leonard was born on September 7, 1924, in Brooklyn, New York. He is no longer with us, having died of a heart attack at age 83 on March 4, 2008, in Woodland Hills, California. After serving in the Pacific with the United States Army Air Forces in World War II, he earned a bachelor's degree in music from the University of California at Berkeley. Among Rosamund's earliest film work was the scores for the James Dean movies East of Eden in 1955 and Rebel Without a Cause, also in 1955. Rosamund had lived together with actor James Dean, to whom he gave piano lessons, but it was Dean who introduced Leonard to famed director Elia Kazan, who won three Academy Awards during his career. Now, I would have to be one of the first to admit that Leonard Rosenman is not a household name in my house. However, the IMDb reveals that he had a total of 117 credits for composer, which included movies, documentaries, and many, many TV series and TV movies. His professional career began in 1955 and continued through 2005, spanning 50 years. Some of the work for which he is best known include Fantastic Voyage in 1966, the TV series Combat, where he scored 151 episodes, Countdown in 1968, A Man Called Horse in 1970, Beneath the Planet of the Apes in 1970, Battle for the Planet of the Apes in 1973, Barry Lyndon in 1975, the animated The Lord of the Rings in 78, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home in 1986, and Robocop II in 1990. He was also a recipient of two back-to-back -back Academy Awards for Barry Lyndon in 1975 for Best Music, Scoring Original Song Score and or Adaptation for Adapting Music by Hondo, Schubert, and others, and Bound for Glory in 1976 for Best Music, Original Song Score, and its Adaptation, or Best Adaptation Score. He also received two Academy Award nominations for Cross Creek in 1983 and for Star Trek IV The Voyage Home in 1986. If you remember, the plot for The Voyage Home takes place in the year 2286, when an enormous cylindrical probe moves through space, sending out an indecipherable signal and disabling the power of every ship it passes. As it orbits the Earth, its signal disables the global power grid and generates planetary storms, creating catastrophic sun-blocking cloud cover. Starfleet Command sends out a planetary distress call and warns all spacefaring vessels not to approach Earth. On the planet Vulcan, Admiral Kirk and the other former officers of the late USS Enterprise are living in exile following the events of Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Accompanied by Spock, a born-again Vulcan, who is still recovering from his resurrection, 
The crew take their captured Klingon bird of prey and return to Earth to face trial for their actions in Star Trek III. Receiving Starfleet's planetary distress warning, Spock determines that the probe's signal matches the song of extinct humpback whales, and that the probe will continue to wreak havoc until its call is answered. The crew uses their ship to travel back in time via a slingshot maneuver around the sun, planning to return with a whale to answer the alien signal. Well, you remember the plot now. One thing I always enjoyed about this film, directed by Leonard Nimoy, was its use of humor. I especially liked the scene with Chekhov standing on a street corner in San Francisco, asking for the location of nuclear vessels to a motorcycle cop who was just staring at him. Watch where you're going, you dumbass! Well, a double dumbass on you! Hello, we are looking for the nuclear vessels in Alameda. Could you tell me where... Can you, you help us? Please, we're looking for the naval base in Alameda. Could you tell me where the nuclear vessels are? Your use of language has altered since our arrival. It is currently laced with, shall I say, more colorful metaphors. Double dumbass on you, and so forth. You mean the profanity? Yes. That's simply the way they talk here. Nobody pays any attention to you unless you swear every other word. You'll find it in all the literature of the period. For example? Well, the collected works of Jack and Suzanne. The novels are Harold Robbins. Ah. The Giants. That we'd all be a lot happier discussing this over dinner. What do you say? You guys like Italian? No, yes. Yes. no, no, yes, no, yes, I love Italian, and so do you, yes. Who are you? Who do you think I am? Don't tell me. You're from outer space. No, I'm from Iowa. I only work in outer space. All right, Commander. Is there anything you want to tell us? Like what? Like who you really are, and what you're doing here, and what these these things here are. I am Pavel Chekhov, a commander in Starfleet, United Federation of Planets, service number 656-5827D. All right. Let's take it from the top. The top of what? Name. My name? No, my name! I do not know your name! You play games with me, mister, and you're through! I am? May I go now? Damn it, do you want an acute case on your hands? This woman has immediate postprandial upper abdominal distension. Oh, oh, oh. Out of the way. Get out of the way. What did you say she's got? Cramps. The bureaucratic mentality is the only constant in the universe. It turns out that The Voyage Home was the first Star Trek film shown in the Soviet Union. Screened by the World Wildlife Fund on June 26, 1987 in Moscow to celebrate a ban on whaling. Producer Harb Bennett attended the screening with Leonard Nimoy and was amazed the film proved to be as entertaining to the Russians as it did with American audiences. He said, quote, The single most rewarding moment of my Star Trek life, unquote, was when the Moscow audience applauded at McCoy's line, The bureaucratic mentality is the only constant in the universe. And now the poser for later of this podcast. How did Leonard Rosenman get the gig as composer for this film? Stay tuned, and I will be back with the answer later in this podcast. 
All right. Uh, thanks for that, Vartok. And I appreciate uh, that. That's uh, always good to hear from you. And I, I know he said he's going to be doing some more of these over the next few weeks while he's got some more time. So um, I'll be back with the second part to that music segment later in today's podcast. So what is everyone out there doing during this uh, during this weird time that we're all in? I uh, I have a stack of models, and, you know, I used to be big into models, uh, you know, plastic, you know, hobby models is what I mean. Uh, the um, it, uh, it was a big part of my growing up period of time. It, once I got a little bit older and with kids, and I think most people understand this, it's 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 much more difficult. Mod- models are, I, I, I always attribute both the artwork that I've done over the years and model building to my um, patience, uh, my, my ability to be patient about things, because building a model is not something that you really can rush. You can rush, you can, you know, but I never did. I mean, I, I always wanted it to come out well. So you need a lot of time, a lot of real good quality concentration uh, to really build these things right. And in and for me, the I, I've been hesitant to get in on you know to get going on these again because of not having you know that you know quality time. But I but I think now I'm going to crack open. I, actually, I got to make sure that I have any any really good glue <laughs> around the house. Uh, plastic cement or anything I might have to order some off Amazon or whatever but uh, it's been so long you know that stuff if it's been in a sealed thing that's not been opened it's probably okay and I I think I did buy some a couple of years ago I was at a hobby store and I had a little surge of boy I got to start building so I may have some completely unopened um, tubes of glue around but uh, but that's one thing and and if you've never built a model and you've been kind of curious, you know, there's tons of kits online you can buy, go to Amazon or whatever. And, and, uh, but I will say that, um, it's real rewarding because to, to me, you know, you can buy things, toys and, and action figures and all, but building something, painting it, uh, putting on the decals, you know, I, I loved it. And it always gave me a sense of accomplishment and, because each one's a little different when you build something like that. Even a Lego set, and Legos are another thing I was going to mention. And um, but those are that those will if if you hand a Lego set to three different people, and if they each build it right, they'll all end up looking the same. If you build a model kit, though, you get the three different people. You know, give them the glue, you give them a, you know some of the paints that they might want to use or whatever. But each one will be a little different from each other. And each one's going to be a little unique because someone's going to put it together, you know, maybe a little bit more carefully than the other or paint it a little differently. Or or maybe one of them will say, I don't want to put the decals on. I, I like it without. Or maybe somebody will weather it a little differently or whatever. But, um, you know, you, these aren't real expensive. I mean, some of them are these days. But you can get a, a model kit and the necessary things for, you know, maybe... on Amazon or more. Maybe it depends on what you, obviously there's a big range, but if you've, if that's something that's, you know, been in your head, you might want to try that out. That's a good little thing to, uh, to do right now. And uh, the nice thing about model building, one of the things about model building, and I used to have this, I remember, you know, I grew up in a, we had a pretty small house. I have a brother and a sister. My brother and I shared a room and it was a pretty small bedroom. And, but I always had in the bedroom, even with two beds in a bedroom and a, and a couple of dressers, I always had like a little, either a, a small little desk somehow, or, or just a cardboard 
the cardboard, uh, is that what you call it? Card table. What am I trying to say? You know, one of those very simple square four legs, you, you fold the legs out, card table. And almost always I had some kind of half-built model on it because when you build a model, a lot of times when you're gluing these things, and there are faster acting glues these days, although I tend to use the traditional stuff that takes a little while, but a lot of times what you need to do is you put a couple of parts of it together and then you got to like rubber band or use, I used to use a lot of clothes pins and spring clips and things like that, but you've got to glue it and then you've got to wait before you can really build more of it. That's the best way to do it. If you try to do too much at once, it won't really come out right. Uh, so you got to do it in stages. So the nice thing about our current situation, I mean, if it's a nice thing, I don't know, but you can spend like play with, you know, play, um, build some of the model for a few hours or an hour or whatever, whatever part you're working on, glue it. And then you've got to walk away and, and let it, let it dry for maybe a couple of hours or even overnight. So it's, it's, it's something that you have to sort of do in stages. Uh, that's why I always had that card table in, in our bedroom. And I would be, you know, I have to glue part of the enterprise and I built so many <laughs> of the old AMT model enterprises. I had a whole fleet of them. And, and back, uh, back then they, they actually did, um, some of the kits started to come with later on. Here's some old in for, for older listeners who, who did this stuff, maybe Brian might know, uh, but, uh, they would start to put out decal sets in the in the old AMT Enterprise uh, model, which would allow you to put on a different registry number and a different name for the Starship, like the Lexington or the Excalibur, uh, and so on of the some of the Starship names that they had used in the original Star Trek series. So yeah, I eventually had like a good six eight of those around our bedroom, hanging from the ceiling on shelves of. Um, you know, the whole Starfleet, they weren't all Enterprise, although I did probably decal up several of them as the Enterprise. And I can even remember melting one down with, with, um, with like a lighter or matches or whatever I used, melting one a little bit to, uh, signify it was the constellation, you know, from the doomsday machine, Matt Decker ship. So I, I we melted one a bit and did, and tried to make it look like the damaged, uh, uh, constellation from that episode. So, uh, so, but models to me are a great pastime and it's something I want to get back to right now uh, and do more of. The uh, The other thing that um, that I've got around here that, I, that I'm going to do more of, and I've done a little bit of this, and I've seen a lot of people talking about this, is coloring. Coloring uh, and, and these uh, quote-unquote, and this always sounds funny to me when you say it, but adult coloring books, they're called, which sounds like they're like naked people. They're not naked people coloring books. They're basically, they're trying to um, market and offer coloring books that uh, that aren't for kids, right? And, I, and even that sounds funny because uh, I don't know when this really got going, but I think with life and stresses, and this is obviously a difficult time, uh, years back, uh, they started to have these coloring books and I've got like a star Wars one, for example, that's just got drawings, pencil drawings or line drawings. You know what a coloring book, everybody knows what a coloring book looks like, but, but it'll be star Wars characters, star Wars, um, ships and, and vehicles and, uh, in a coloring book. And you can, you know, it could be appropriate, fine for, for a kid or for an adult or whatever, for some, I think they wanted to call them adult coloring books so that adults would not feel like, oh, you know, coloring books are just for kids. 
and they wanted to encourage that it's a it's kind of a nice therapy thing to just sit there with you know if you've got a new box or old crayons around or whatever you want to use colored pencils you could use chalk or pastels you could a lot of you can even paint although most of the pages are fairly thin but um but yeah, and, you know, coloring these books is is really. Um, I've got a uh, popping into my head. But I've got a good friend that's a, who's a lawyer, and has a pretty intense job, and 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 he's done this quite a bit. I know. So it, it's it's one of those again, a fun little activity. It doesn't take really a lot of. You can be skilled or not skilled. Maybe you're somebody like me who likes to color outside the lines, but it's it's a nice um, pastime in a way, and it's also something that you can do anywhere pretty easily and not super expensive. I know they've got a whole wide range of these things on on Amazon and well, although I should point out with, with some of these things I'm talking about that um, Amazon, I'm noticing, obviously, there's a lot of people at home and a lot of people ordering off Amazon. We're, it's taking longer to get stuff off Amazon, and some, some things are a little hard to get. Some of these things that are um, becoming popular right now are... are um, could be a little tricky to get, but there's a lot of them. And there are other places besides Amazon actually out there. So Google around, search. But, uh, but yeah, I want to do more of that uh, artwork in general. The, uh, the other thing um, is obviously uh, this time is a great time to start reading more. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a ton of stuff I'm reading always, a bunch of comics, even, even old comics. I have a lot of comic collections that I've bought some series that I've never read that I'm, I've been pulling off the shelf and reading. But if you've never done comics, if you've never read comics, and maybe you're somebody who likes the Marvel movies or the, even the DC movies or anything, um, you can find all, I, I don't even want to begin to try to suggest uh, the comic collection you should read. You know, maybe if there's a character that you're interested in, maybe you like Spider-Man or maybe you want to learn more about the Avengers, just go and, again, go online there's a lot of comic book uh, sellers. You can also you just one of the easiest way to, ways to do it is just use Comixology. It's an app you can get on your um, on your iPad or your iPhone. Although I I can't imagine I, I know people do it. I can't imagine reading a comic on an iPhone. Try to use an iPad or even your computer. Um, there's ways to read digitally online on your computer or your Mac. Um, but Comixology is a pretty good deal, and I will recommend. Um, I think it's I want to say it's 4.99 a month but I'm not sure but Comixology has a monthly subscription type of of service. Now just um keep in mind this doesn't give you access to everything that they have. This gives you access to a pretty big catalog of comics, a pretty wide range of comics. I've actually been subscribed to their monthly um, subscription thing for a while because the, some of the stuff on there, like Archie Comics, for example, which I've never really been heavily into, but I've been watching Riverdale, so I kind of got a little more interested. Um, but it's I, and I, they have a Witcher comic, which is actually pretty good, that comes with their monthly subscription, so you don't actually pay extra for the comics. They're included. So for this, say, I think it's around $5 a month, you can, you can get a pretty huge catalog of comics. Marvel Comics also has a, um, a monthly um, subscription comic thing that you can do. I think that one, I can't remember. I think it's 10 a month, but I'm not sure. But the Marvel one is pretty cool because that actually gives you a huge, huge access to 
basically Marvel puts everything up on there that's six months or more older. So you could easily read every new Marvel comic that's coming out. It would just be six months like out of date or it would be from six months ago. They don't want to compete too much with um, current books that are putting being put out. But once you start on that service, you can be basically reading every new Marvel comic that comes out each month. DC doesn't really have that. They do have the DC Universe um, app, which gives you access, which I would recommend also. Uh, there are live action shows on there like um, Titans, uh, which is about the Teen Titans and Robin, Dick Grayson and others. Uh, they've got a couple seasons of that. Uh, there, there's other series, live action things on there. There's a really um, more adult animated Harley Quinn show with a lot of adult language, but it's hilarious. Uh, that's on there. Um, just a lot of cool stuff. And they have actually comics too, DC Comics. Not a big comic selection. They've got some older um, DC movies like the Superman films and that. So that's another, you know, it's another streaming service. Uh, they they do have a yearly one. If you're interested a lot in it, you can get it yearly for, I think the yearly fee amounts to about five bucks a month or so if you buy it yearly. Um but, um, but that's another one, another way for you to access comics uh, as well. But I, but Comixology is probably the, my best suggestion. The other thing you can do on Comixology is you can buy comics. You can just outright buy them digitally and read them. You know, there's the monthly thing for their ones that are, um, you can basically borrow those and read them for the monthly subscription. But you can also buy a bunch of comics on there too. They're not, they don't have everything. Um, but they're connected in with Amazon too. So if you get the app and you have an Amazon co- account already, they all sort of interwork with each other. So you, you know, if you buy a comic off of Comixology it, or or buy it off Amazon, it'll show up on your Comixology app. If you've got those linked and everything, it's not too hard to do. So, um, and comics, reading comics digitally, I, I still prefer a comic book in my hand. Uh, I'm old school on that way, uh, but. Reading them digitally is not too bad, and there's a few different ways and a few different apps out there, but um, but they're they're um, it's pretty good. The trickiest part with comics, um, reading them digitally, is there's a lot of comics depending on the comic uh, where they'll do multi-page things, uh, and you can read them at the panel level, but. Comics, you know, if you're reading through a Batman comic or a Superman comic, Spider-Man, whatever. Typically, on average, comic books are, are they mix up the format within one issue of the comic. So you might have a couple of pages of a single page set of panels, uh, which is what the little boxes are called in comics. And then you might get to a multi-page one. And then you end up, what you typically have to do, what I do when I'm reading them digitally, is you end up having to turn your iPad sideways, horizontally. And then you can get the whole look. Although that tends to make the the text a little bit small somewhat. Um, It's a tricky thing. Some comics do pretty well for digital. Some, I feel, are a little bit more of a mixed bag. There's been a couple that I've read that that were kind of difficult, actually, to read (laughs) digitally. Um, But overall, it's not a bad way to do it. Um, it, it, And it certainly is the easiest and most convenient currently. You don't want to go out to a comic shop. They're not open, for one, in most places. So... um, Highly recommend if you've ever thought about trying comics, give it a shot, pick up a couple of things. There's plenty of, you know, you can Google around the internet, find people suggesting, you know, hey, for someone who's never read comics, what what should I read? Um, 
you know, there's tons of that. I won't even really try to go into it. Um, but um, so let's see. We talked about models, coloring, um, comics, reading in general. Uh, I'm reading, catching up on some magazines that I get uh, and some books, obviously tons of books. Won't even really talk about that. Uh, the um, I was talking, I talked a little bit about Legos. I think I mentioned this on the podcast I, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I still haven't done it, but I'm going to try to here in the next day or two. But I have this big Enterprise Lego set that I got uh, a few Christmases ago that I've never built. It's like 3,000 plus pieces. I think Jedi Jeff's got one. Um, but, uh, I want to, I don't think it's actually, if I should, should rephrase that. I don't think it's actually built or was put out by Lego. I think it's, um, mega, maybe mega blocks or something like that. Maybe not mega blocks. I don't know. It's sitting like 10 feet away from me right now on the floor. Uh, I could go pick it up, but I won't. So, uh, so there, there's that. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's see what else would I, did I want to cover here? Um, the um, the other one uh, that I was going to talk about, yeah, building Legos, obviously, um, is uh, tons of obviously streaming services in, in Netflix, uh, Hulu, what else? I mean, Apple, Disney, the all these stra- streaming services. Oh, by the way, um, I did start, well, I watched the first episode of it, but I, on Apple, uh, what is it called? Apple, it's not Apple Plus, is it? It's just Apple TV, right? Their new streaming service, uh, they have amazing stories on there. Remember that old show? I watched the f- only the first episode uh, uh, on there so far. It was pretty good. I liked it. Um, kind of a little bit of a time travel romance tale. Um, obviously, CBS All Access, uh, they offered uh, a free month. Uh, they always offer a free month. People are kind of like, well, they always do that. But you can watch like... You can watch two seasons of Star Trek Discovery. You can watch the Short Treks episodes on there you can watch the whole season of picard you can watch the new twilight zone which i liked um there's other shows on there too some of their current network shows are on there uh so it's it's a pretty good deal in my opinion actually considering it only costs normally is it 5.99 still i think it's 5.99 you can get even it you can even get it cheaper if you buy it um annually if you buy like a whole year's worth uh, at once, uh, it's even less than that per month. So, um, it, although I'm hearing that season three discovery, because of the current situation and post-production, they have stopped or, or they did manage to finish the filming of it, but I think it's, it's probably going to get a little delayed due to this. And, um, I, maybe we'll get it later in the summer. We'll see what happens. Uh, a lot of things being canceled so far, still San Diego comic-con is still has not officially canceled. I uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, even if it goes forward, will people still want to go? I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I, I don't know how I'd feel. I guess things would really have to calm down a lot um, for me to feel probably comfortable enough to get on a plane and fly out and go to that this year, even though I have a press pass set and all um, for this year. I'm wondering if they do cancel it, if, if people who have tickets – or things like press passes, will those just get automatically um, applied to 2021? Because I don't think Comic-Con, I don't think if San Diego Comic-Con, I'm digressing a bit from my main topic, but I don't think if San Diego Comic-Con gets canceled uh, from, it's about the third week of July, I think it's when it's happening this year, around the 19th or 20th it starts, something like that. 
um, I don't think they can reschedule it for the year. Like, I don't think it's, I think it's too big. I don't think they would just switch it to like October or November or something like that. I think it would just get switched to, they would lose this year and they would get pushed all the way to July of uh, 2021. So, because if they just delayed it a little bit, a few months, um, well, I think it's hard for them to do that event when it's not the summer. I, I think I think the summer allows for the attendance allows it's it just I don't see them changing that to a like an October or November time frame. I, I, I would really doubt that. Um, it's too big of an event. It's bigger than any other convention really in the United States. Um, so so we'll see what happens there. I, I mean I you know part of me hopes that it still goes on that we're everything is more back to normal enough that they, they feel comfortable to do it. Um, but you know who so who knows? I, I know most people are basically saying, "Oh, it's a done deal. It's going to get canceled." You know, most people are saying they should cancel it, even if things are less. You've got like roughly 150,000 people coming together from all around, both the U.S. and other countries. Um, so, I, I think that people would be considering that a, another risk point where, wow, you you know, it might calm down a lot, but we could just restart things in California again. Then I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not holding out much hope. I think it probably won't happen, but uh, but we'll see. Uh, I think I'm going to take a break here. Uh, I do have a couple last things that I wanted to talk about, but I think I'm going to slip in uh, Vartok's second part to his music um, music moment, uh, music spot for this week on Letter Roseman. Um, and then I will come back, talk about the last couple of topics, and wrap up the podcast. So take it away, Avartok, with part two on Leonard Roseman. everyone, this is Vartok again, with the answer to the question posed earlier, which was how did Leonard Rosenman get chosen to be the composer for Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home? Well, since composer James Horner declined to produce the score for a third time, director Leonard Nimoy turned to his friend, Leonard Rosenman, who had written the music to Fantastic Voyage, the animated Lord of the Rings, and two Planet of the Apes sequels. Rosenman wrote an arrangement of Sandy Courage's original Star Trek television theme as the title music for The Voyage Home. But Leonard Nimoy wanted an original composition. Music critic Jeff Bond wrote, The final result was one of the most unusual Star Trek movie themes, consisting of a six-note theme and variations set against a repetition four-note brass motif. The melody is played in the beginning of the film on Vulcan, and during the scenes of Dr. Gillian Taylor's search for Kirk to help find her whales. 
The Earth-based setting of the film gave Rosamund leeway to write a variety of music in different styles. Nimoy intended the crew's introduction to the streets of San Francisco to be accompanied by something reminiscent of George Gershwin. But Rosenman changed the director's mind, and the scene was scored with a contemporary jazz fusion piece by the band Yellow Jackets. When Chekhov flees detention aboard the aircraft carrier, Rosenman wrote a bright cue that incorporates classical Russian compositions. The music for the escape from the hospital was done in a Baroque style. More familiar Rosenman compositions include the action music for the face-off between the bird of prey and the whaling ship in open water and the atmospheric music, which is reminiscent of the composer's work in Fantastic Voyage. After the probe leaves Earth, the Vivaldi-esque whale fugue begins. The first sighting of the Enterprise A at the end revisits the Sandy Courage STO theme before the end titles. Star Trek IV The Voyage Home was the most profitable of the series, grossing $133 million against a $21 million budget. A BBC review called the film one of the series' strongest episodes and proof that the franchise could weather the absence of space-bound action and the iconic USS Enterprise and still be highly enjoyable. And, in 2018, Popular Mechanics ranked the scene where Chekhov talks about nuclear vessels as the 50th greatest moment in science fiction. See, I told you that was a great scene. Well, that's it for this Music and Sci-Fi segment. And now back to you, Rico. I will close out this response segment with the main title track.
All right, I am back. Thank you, Vartok. Appreciate that. Very cool, very cool stuff. Um, love Leonard Roseman's music. Um, very much appreciate you putting that together for today's Treks in Sci-Fi. All right, a couple things else that I want to talk about. One is my 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 scratchy face. My <laughs> I uh, I'm never I've never been a beard guy. I I don't I don't like that and. Uh, but I, I, I decided for the last, oh, not quite a week now, last six or six or so days, maybe, is it been only five or six? Anyway, I've basically stopped shaving, and uh, partly because my sister-in-law was super excited. She's like, oh, I've never seen your dad with a beard. And that my son said to her, like, yeah, well, he never has had a beard. So uh, if I look a little scruffy, I, I uh, if I do any video stuff, that you'll know why. Although I don't know if I can last. I've only... It's, I haven't even gone a week now, and it's already irritating me, so we'll see. Um, let's see. The uh, The other thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, the Skywalker Saga Collector's Edition. So uh, a couple months ago or whatever, it came out. Uh, not came out. This, not the set came out, but it was announced there was going to be a complete, like, um, I don't know when they actually announced this. It was longer back than that. I think it was... It was probably not too long after the last Star Wars movie came out, after The Rise of Skywalker, which would have put it probably towards the holidays when they announced it, so a few months ago. But anyway, this is a Best Buy exclusive. This is the entire um, Star Wars collection of movies, the the Skywalker films. Uh, Like, for example, I I don't think Rogue One is in here or the Solo movie. Is Rogue One in here? Eh, I don't even know. I don't think so. Uh, but um, I haven't opened it because I want to do a video opening the box. So I haven't opened it. I got this earlier this week. And, and later today, I'm going to try to record a video opening it up. Um, one of those, you know, reveal opening, whatever they call it, box opening videos. So um, not that this is really a super big thing to really open. Um, but what it is, okay, so it was a Best Buy exclusive set, and you get inside this um, all the Star Wars Skywalker films, the nine movie Skywalker selection, Skywalker collection. What did I say? Selection? Yeah. So it is, yeah, there's no Rogue One, no Solo, but I have both those movies already anyway. Um, the um, But the big thing, a couple things about this. So it's in a nice collectible case box thing, uh, Best Buy exclusive. And you get all the movies on on 4K Ultra HD. Um, you get a regular Blu-ray also, and you get a digital code for a digital version. You know that you can watch on your iPads or whatever. And then uh, there's obviously inside of it a nice little case box thing. There's a collectible little uh, book thing inside. There's 27 discs total. Uh, an exclusive letter from Mark Hamill. Uh, it, it's a cool set, and you know I love the Star Wars films, so I kind of had to do it. Uh, the the other thing, though, right now, one of the biggest reasons I got it personally, and this will probably change in five minutes, um, 4K. I have a 4K TV, I have a 4K Blu-ray player, um, and the original trilogy films, you know, the first one, A New Hope, or as old school people call it, Star Wars, because that's all it was called at first. Uh, or um, the and Empire Strikes Back, of course, and, and Return of the Jedi. Those movies are not out on 4K at all. Um, and 
I don't even know, are the prequels all out on 4K? The the new movies are. The the new three movies are all on 4K. You can get those all on 4K. Um, but the original trilogy, you can't buy those yet uh, individually or even in a box set uh, in 4K. And so this, this was the first opportunity to get those movies in 4K. Um, and yeah, you can watch Disney Plus and, and a big, I'm doing big air quotes that you can't see right now. You can watch streaming in 4K. But streaming 4K is not, <laughs> it's not the same as a 4K digital disc that you're playing locally on your TV. Will your eye be able to pick up the difference? Probably most people's eyes, probably not, even probably mine. But, but it's, it's, there is a little bit of, you know, they're, they're, they're compressing that, you know, so it's, 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 there's a lot of data in a 4K disc. There's a lot of data. There's no way you are getting, you know, I think a 4K disc, I don't know, is it, I want to say it's like 50 gig or something like that. Is that right? Or 50 meg? I don't know what I'm saying. I've lost my mind. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> All right. I had to look this up just, just so we get some good info out there. So, yeah, an Ultra HD Blu-ray uh, 4K. You have a dual-layer disc that is a 50 gig. Yeah, so I was right. 50 gig disc, uh, 82 megabits per second uh, transfer. There's also a dual layer, dual layer, dual layer disc, 66 gig, 108 megabits per second, and 100 gig triple layer, 128 megabits per second. Depends on the individual disc, uh, but basically, those those megabits per second is is the data being transferred, and it gives you a bit of an idea of like how good the picture will look, essentially that kind of a thing. Uh, I didn't really need to get into all those technical aspects, but point being, if you have a, a nice 4K television and a nice 4K Blu-ray player, uh, now you have the opportunity with this one set. And I, I have no doubt that very soon, certainly by the holiday time, you could, you'll be able to get these 4K um, original trilogy films either singly or in another set that's out. There's nothing that you know will stop Disney from repacking, re repackaging, reselling these things forever and always. I there's you know, I have no doubts that this one Best Buy exclusive set will be the end all be all of uh, getting these films on 4K. But I wasn't going to pass this set up. Uh, it's not too bad of a deal actually when you think about it when you you know, a 4K typically a 4K disc in the stores when they come out 30, 35 US dollars. Um, so when you do the math here, um, this set um, isn't too bad of a deal. You actually, they're a little cheaper end up per movie this way. So uh, so that's good. Uh, and I'm sure pff, I'll probably buy them again when some new features show up on them or something. I also was silly. I also decided to buy the Target edition of The Rise of Skywalker 2 just because it extra, has a few extra little goodies in it and a book and stuff. Uh, but that's just because I'm nuts. I'm nuts. So... <laughs> All right, but I am looking forward to breaking this baby open later today, start watching some of these things on 4K, and I'll give you guys a report on the next podcast what I think about the 4K editions of the original trilogy. I'm sure there's probably videos and reports already out there about what people are saying of how they look. These, of course, will be the special editions of the original trilogy. 
there's still no original versions available um, in recent times of those movies. I've kind of gotten to accept it slightly. I I would love to have the original versions. Those are the ones that I saw. But, uh, you know, I think especially the first film, I saw that movie so many times. It's the movie I've seen the most ever probably in my lifetime, even though I really love The Wizard of Oz. Maybe it's a push. But I saw that movie, the the first Star Wars movie, like over over 20, 22 dozen times, over like 24, 25 times in the theater, just in the theater. Uh, so, And that was the original version of it. So that original version, since I saw it so many times, is burned into my brain in terms of, you know, what's different with the special edition. Now, I've seen Empire a lot. I've seen... I've seen Return of the Jedi a lot, um, but um, but I've come to somewhat accept the the other thing too um, that I should mention. The first film, the first Star Wars film, is probably the one that's been tweaked with by George Lucas the most. He added the most really into that versus the other films. There really wasn't as much done and changed in the other ones as he did in um, the first one. There's little there's stuff. But um, there's some pretty big stuff done to, um, to the first movie. You know, one of the biggest things is, well, two, two things. The Greedo scene that's been totally messed up. <laughs> it's just, ugh, that, 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 that scene is just, ugh, it's just painful to watch it now. It's just, it's, it's been changed like 20 different times, blaster bolts shooting out of the air, you know, randomly. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. Um, it, it. The final, final one that they've gotten to now is not too bad, but boy, ugh, ugh. Han always shot first. Period. Um, and then the other thing that they did, the other big addition, was the the um, the Java scene where Java shows up uh, at the Falcon. That that Han talks to him. That was never in the original. Those are those are a couple of big big things that were changed, and a lot of other stuff too. But so I would love to still see have the original sometime come out. They probably will. I, I I think I think they will. I I I think that that I don't see that there's a reason not to. I know you know when George Lucas gave things in for four billion dollars or whatever to Disney. His one thing was he he always said his special editions. This is the movies. These are the movies. So he didn't want to release those other movies. But Disney would be like. You know, if you can make a buck off of releasing those originals, and you can still say, "Hey, the special editions are the the actual, definitive, you know, um, canon edition," but there's no reason for archival purposes and for those of us who who grew up with those and want those. There's no reason to not put those out and make some money. There is no reason at all. So uh, I, I have again no doubt that that'll happen at some point. Whenever they need to bring up their stock price a little or something, which is uh, stocks. Uh, all right, I should wrap this up. I, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope it was. Uh, uh, I tried to make it not depressing, a little uplifting. Uh, if you guys, I, I I really hope everyone out there listening, try to support your local people that are working. Uh, help family members who might be able not not be able to get out. I mean, I'm just saying junk that everybody else is thinking and doing, but you know, try to be kind to others. Uh, this is a difficult time for everyone to different degrees and different levels. I can't even imagine somebody in the medical field having to go in and deal with this each day. I mean, I, you guys, I, I Vulcan salute you, live long and prosper. You guys are incredible. And, and uh, I, I can't say enough about, um, and try to um, 
not give them anything new to do, <laughs> you know, like try to try to stay as, as away from people and things and potential ways of catching this stupid virus uh, that you can, you know, just avoid it at all costs. So, uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I know this is stuff that everyone's been saying in the media and, and most people are saying in their heads, but uh, it, it's it's really hard to record a show and a podcast right now. We did it last week pretty well because we talked a lot about this before we recorded our Picard show, but it's very hard to not. It's like the, the big elephant in the room, right, right now? So it's kind of hard not to talk about it. Um, and why fight it a little bit? But if um, if anything here was was interesting, I hope that was the case. Um, and uh, yeah, next week I'm going to try to get a guest cast guest person. Um, I might just be back. I, I I've kind of felt like needing to record more now. I'm also um, trying to do some other things. Got a few other ideas I want to get going uh, over on Patreon. I'm probably going to put up my my Skywalker Saga unboxing video over on patreon.com forward slash treks and sci-fi first before i put it up on the treks and sci-fi facebook group but um so uh yeah i'm out of here thanks again to vartok for his music segments thanks for everyone for downloading and listening stay careful stay safe uh stay at home if you can and uh just be uh you know try to be kind and nice to each other this is having uh you know if you're somebody with kids at home now and you're they're all going a little nuts and everybody's going a little nuts. Just uh, just realize in a few months we'll all be looking back on this and say, hey, did that really happen? I don't think that really happened. That couldn't happen, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it did, but we all managed and, and, and hopefully most most will learn some things and maybe we'll be better, um, better prepared in the future. So uh, take care, everyone, uh, doubly so these days, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. This has been a Rico Dosti podcast production.